Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. Welcome back to another episode of the Elite Business Advice Podcast. I'm Chris Moore, the founder of Elite Business Advisors and your host of the Elite Business Advice Podcast. Do you remember back to when you started your business? I'm guessing more than likely it might have just been yourself. Maybe, maybe not. I could be wrong. Um, But how did that turn into what you've built today in your business, wherever you're at, whether you're happy there, whether you're not, whatever it is, right? Do you remember what that journey looks like? Because I know for a lot of us, we don't remember the journey because we don't remember the struggle, right? We don't ever stop and think about where we started at and where we are today. Uh, But do you remember maybe getting through some of those tough stages of business, right? Uh, Probably just to endure the next tough stage of business, but right, one after the other, right? It's kind of a stair-step approach. We'll have a future episode coming out about that. But being an entrepreneur that operates solo, I call it a solopreneur, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I want to start that out before I jump into this episode because I'm going to use that term a lot. But by a solopreneur, I mean somebody that wears all the hats, right? You are the HR the marketing person, the estimator, the project manager, the operations guy, the laborer, you're everything, right? And that's what I mean by a solopreneur. I don't, again, mean that in a derogatory manner, but that is the title that is kind of truly what you are in that situation. Um, But in my opinion, it's hands down one of the hardest manners of entrepreneurship. Um, And in today's episode, we're gonna talk through the challenges that come with solopreneurship, how to succeed if you want to stay solo, and how to scale beyond that if that's part of what your goals are. And so I hope it helps. Thanks for plugging in. This is the Elite Business Advice Podcast. All right, so when I think of solopreneurship, one thing that comes to mind is the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. And I use this a lot uh, to illustrate kind of the mental, the thinking behind business ownership uh, and the mindset there whenever I go speak for Sherwin-Williams Uh, you know, at a lot of their events. I always kind of hit on this, right? Because I think the mindset of an entrepreneur is a big thing. Uh, And I think there's a difference between the mindset of an entrepreneur, but also where you're currently at, right? Uh, And I apologize if you hear dogs, I'm recording this in my office and one of the people brought their dogs, haven't made a peep all day. And of course, she steps out of the office for two seconds and they're whining. So uh, it'll be over in a second. So if that's coming through on the podcast, I apologize. Um, But when we think about Robert Kiyosaki, so Robert Kiyosaki called it the cash flow quadrant. And he said on the left side, right, a quadrant, four corners, basically, right? On the left side of the quadrant, you are an employee or you are self-employed, right? You you either are an employee and get a paycheck, you are self-employed in which you Um, essentially run your own business, but you are everything, right? And then on the right side of the quadrant, you are a business owner, uh, which, you know, is a a business system owner, right? You have a system that produces money. Uh, And then the last one is you are an investor, right? Um, And really what he says in that is a business owner is somebody that, you know, the, the test to make here is if you walk away from your business, you take a week off, you take a month off, you take three months off, right? whether it's because you're forced to for health reasons or you just want to go on a vacation, right, whatever. If you take time off, what happens to your income? And that will tell you which one of those four quadrants you're in, right? Um, And so 
you know, I think about that a lot uh, in the sense of the hardest transition to make there um, isn't necessarily going from being an employee to being self-employed, right? An investor, I don't really talk about that, right? There is a, a way to turn the, the trade into an asset, as my friends over at Olive Holdings says, um, but there's a way to do that. But I'm talking between the other three, right? You kind of make, typically most people make the journey from employee down to self-employed, up and over to business owner. And the hardest journey is not employee to self-employed. I firmly believe anybody can leave their job. Although entrepreneurship is tough, but anybody can leave their job and go start doing that same job on their own, right? And I'm saying this more in the trades. I think, you know, when it comes to computer engineering and sure, I'm sure a lot of things, it's really hard to get contracts. Uh, but when it comes to like home service businesses and, and who we're directly talking to here, our, our target audience, which is painting contractors, it's not hard to leave a company and say, hey, I'm going to go start doing paint jobs on my own directly to consumers. Now, it's a lot harder than people think, but in reality, it's a lot easier to make that journey than in my opinion, it is to go from being self-employed to being an, a business owner, you know, a, a, an entrepreneur in true sense, um, in which you have a system that runs your business and you're, it is not limited to the time you put into it, if that makes sense. And so this, this episode comes from some conversations with some of our clients that are kind of in this solopreneur realm, right? Um, and also some other conversations I've had with people in the industry here lately about kind of that solopreneur aspect and mentality. Uh, and again, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. And honestly, we, we, we have and have seen some solopreneurs do very well where their business serves their lives well, and it's a great situation, right? And so I want to share some of those secrets today. Um, but I also want to share how do you go from this stage to the next stage, right? Uh, but before we dive into that, let's dive into why is solopreneurship so tough? Uh, number one, I believe solopreneurship is so tough for people because no matter what, it is always a time for money exchange. It's all about the amount of time you put into it is what you're going to get out of it financially. And if you stop putting time into it, you go on vacation again, you get hurt. There's no money to come from it. You are 100% dependent. Your income is dependent on the time that you're putting into your business and serving your clients. And I think that's the number one reason why solopreneurship is so tough is because it's dependent. It it leans on that, right? It always has to be, I put in 10 hours and I get paid for whatever 10 hours or whatever that service yields in 10 hours, right? That's the hard part. And the other piece of it, why it's tough, is it can get tough to make the numbers work to where your business works for you. And what I mean by that is the, the number one issue we see um, with, you know, either clients that come to us or some of our clients and, and where they were when they initially came to us and the journey they've been on is in the beginning, a lot of times business owners, as a lot of people listen to this know, we don't charge enough. They, business owners typically don't value their service like the consumer does, right? And so we undercharge. And I just say we as a blanket statement for entrepreneurs in general. I see it a lot in the trades. I see it a lot from somebody that leaves a company, goes and starts their own business. They were making $25 to $30 an hour. So they think they're going to charge $35 to $40 an hour for their time when most painting contractors, and again, I'm just using Midwest numbers here, exclude California, New York, a little bit in Chicago, right? Just Midwest, good old Midwest numbers here. Um, you know, and they should be charging 55 to 60, 65, 70, like what a lot of the, the professionalized competition does. And there's really no difference between the solopreneur and the professionalized competition, right? Um, we'll talk through some of that here in a minute. 
But the numbers get hard to make it work when you're only charging $35, $40 an hour for yourself, right? Because you still have overhead, you still have expenses, you still have to market, you still have to have a business and a website and social media presence and you know accounting and all the other things that you either decide to do yourself or outsource and pay for, right? At the end of the day, you still have expenses. <clears throat> and so I, we see that the numbers get hard to make work unless you're charging um, that 50, 55, 60, 65 dollar an hour range and kind of putting a premium on your services. And I'll talk to that here in a second. Bringing one person on helps this, okay? But it is still can be tough. I just wanna kind of think through the logic here moving forward. It can still be a little bit tough because that first hire brings typically workers comp, right? I know in some states, uh, and I, I don't quote me on this, I'm not an attorney, um, but I'm pretty sure Illinois is one of them, that the second you hire one employee, you have to have workers comp. Some states, it's if you have less than five, you don't have to, obviously it opens you up to liability. But that first hire, you I mean, you should have it anyway, so I'm just gonna be honest. If you hire an employee, you should have workers comp just to protect yourself, hands down. But that's an expense, right? Now you have to set up payroll because most people that are solopreneurs are not, you know, an S corporation um, entity that has to, you know, put themselves on payroll as, a, as an, uh, an officer salaried position, officer salaried position. So now you have to set payroll up, right? You have to pay for either that subscription or somebody to do that. Um, you you know have to pay the thirteen percent on top of their wages, whatever the employer taxes is in your state. Um, it, it it is what it is. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying don't do it, but it just brings a lot more expenses, right? Typically, you have to start marketing more. You need additional systems to communicate and be able to do things, right? So the first hire, you're going to start making more money. The second one is really when the gravy starts falling, for lack of a better term, right? That's when you really start generating enough profit, you're producing enough work to where it's really starting to pay for itself and then it will snowball in a good way from there. Um, but that's why solopreneurship is so hard is because it's limited to yourself, right? And then we hire one person, but then we incur some expenses. And then, you know, again, the second one is when things start to pay off. So my first big point, how do you win in this model of solopreneurship? If you wanna stay a solopreneur for the rest of your life, more power to you. I, there's nothing that I'm going to say here that I'm trying to convince you why that doesn't work. Um, because I think it can, but I'm also want to share with you how to make that work, right? If you love just working by yourself, you don't want to have employees. You just want to have kind of a lifestyle business for lack of a better term. You can do that, but here's what you have to do. Okay. Number one, you have to increase your prices to a premium. As I mentioned earlier, right? A lot of people average here in the Midwest, especially through a lot of our clients, kind of professionalized businesses are 55, 60, $65 an hour. That's kind of, if I had to narrow it down to three numbers, that would be it, right? Um, we have some clients that are at 70, 75, $80 an hour, some that aren't, I, I understand that. But just that's the average, right? If you are a solopreneur to really make the numbers work for you, one, I think before we even get to the pricing thing, you have to be good at what you do. You have to, have a very you know good quality product and be somebody that people love to refer to. Okay, that like that's number one qualification. I almost don't think about it, uh, but as far as how to make the business side of it work, you have to raise your prices to a point that you can make the amount of money you need and want to make in the time frame you're willing to work. Whether that's four days a week, whether that's five days a week. The one thing I see about a lot of solopreneurs, they work eighty hours a week, right? And that's when it becomes not sustainable because they get burned out, bump in the road happens. Customer doesn't pay, customer's a month behind paying, 
whatever it is, that hurts a lot more at zero employees than it does at 10 employees, right? When one $4,000 check isn't coming in yet, right? That can make or break a business that's smaller. And so I don't want you guys working 80 hours a week. If you're a solopreneur, I want you still working no more than 40 hours a week, but how do we get smarter with those 40 hours? And so number one, you gotta have your prices at a premium, right? You have to be at a spot where you are very profitable. You can, you can work, again, I'm talking production. Let me maybe clarify this too. I'm talking production, right? Cause you still have to do all the other pieces of the business. And that's usually where the 80 to hundred hours a week comes in because you, you spend 60 to 80 hours a week producing and then you have to do 10 to 20 hours a week of business time, right? Estimates, following up the people, scheduling, ordering paint, all the other stuff, right? So I'm talking production. Really, I think the best way, and I'll talk about this in a second, is like have your schedule where you do 30 hours a week of production. So how much do you have to charge per hour of production in order to only work 30 hours a week in the production of your business that you can spend the other 10 to 15 hours a week on the business, right? Think about that. Um, because there's nothing wrong. A lot of solopreneurs, they do it for the lifestyle. We've had some clients that are like, hey, I wanna work three weeks a month to where then I can take that fourth week off, right? Um, and I need to make enough money in those three weeks to basically pay myself for four weeks, right? And that's when you have to be at a premium. You have to be a top dollar, right? And, and in order to charge a premium, your communication has to be great. Your professionalization has to be great. You have to give the customers a great experience. And how do you do that? Just by yourself. I'm actually glad you asked. Um, the answer is having the right systems and having kind of some streamlined efficiency stuff in place. Um, having things in place that can happen behind the scenes automatically, having things together that will trigger part of that customer experience for you, right? Maybe it's adding on a, um, you know, an expectation sheet with your estimate that just automatically goes onto it every time, right? Just to help close work a little bit more. Maybe it's a, an automated email reminder through your CRM the day before the estimate is a reminder, whatever it is, right? I can go off with a hundred different things here, but utilizing technology, systems, trying to be efficient with things is how you can get everything done in a short amount of time, right? When I think of technology, I think two pieces of it. One, QuickBooks, accounting, whatever it is, right? If you, I, I've seen some solopreneurs, I did this even when I had employees that used a Google sheet for their accounting document. Nothing wrong with that, okay? As long as you're tracking and organizing away and not forgetting anything, that's all you need to fulfill the IRS's requirements to file your taxes. But let me tell you how much time QuickBooks saves. And it's $30 a month if you just go with the simple subscription. Most people don't need a lot more than that, especially if you're a solopreneur. Okay, $30 a month automatically connects to your bank accounts, your credit cards, imports, all your transactions. All you have to do is go through and categorize, was it materials, was it an office expense, is it advertising, marketing, uh, if it's sales, what customer was it? That's all, right? Super quick and simple. You can, it, once you get used to it, you can probably do your books, especially as a solopreneur, in an hour a month, right? Versus sitting down with the Google sheet, importing all your receipts and doing all that stuff man manually, right? So that's one piece. The other piece of it's estimating and invoicing, right? Having a good CRM thing that will communicate with customers, send them those little reminders. Um, you can do invoicing, take payment through there, whatever it is, right? Just finding ways to streamline your technology, making things easy, right? If it comes down to it and you know some CRMs, we're looking into a, a new one right now, we wanna find things that trigger um, automated things in the, like the sales cycle, the sales process, right? So we finish an analysis meeting with somebody, it automatically triggers something to send to them as a follow-up, right? That's an automation. That's something we don't have to stop, go find a template, 
send out a manual email. And it's not that we're above that. And we're, again, we're trying to balance the relationship, the personal touch with the automation, right? Uh, and, but that's something as a solopreneur that is very valuable to you, right? If you're able to move them along the stages and all of a sudden, once it goes from, you know, estimate done to pending estimate, maybe it sets a 48 hour follow-up with them to send them this, this, and this, Hey, thanks so much for meeting with us. Maybe it's a video, something like that. I don't know. I'm just throwing some ideas out there, right? But you have to streamline and have a systems and efficiency to where you can still get everything done you need to for your business and for production in 40 to 45, 50 hours a week, right? I'll give you 50 if you're a solopreneur. So on that note, that's how you succeed as a solopreneur. Increase your prices, have the systems and efficiency and things in place to make everything work on the back end. I say this like it's it's super easy to do. It's not. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of trying something and redoing it and figuring it out. So I don't take that lightly. If you want to grow, here's a couple of things, kind of, I guess, three points that I would give you of how you go from solopreneur to little bit more systematic business owner. I don't believe you really get to become a systematic, true B quadrant business owner until you are, I'm going to say you at least have a project manager, an estimator, and an office person in place. How many of your employees, subcontractors, whatever that looks like, right? Even at that, I still think it's hard to become truly like that, at least until maybe you get two of each of those. Um, but at least at that point, you you can have a lead come in to your office. They can send it to the estimator. They can sell the job. They can send it to production. They can produce the job and money can be made and you don't have to touch a single thing. At least at that point, you've got the people in place to make that happen. That's when I think you get there, right? Everything else along the way, still gonna be dependent on you in some regards. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're a solopreneur, to grow from where you're at to where you want to be, Okay. Number one, marketing and sales has to come first. Nothing else matters unless you have work on the books and can afford to hire somebody or get with a subcontracting crew. Um, if you're taking the sub route, it's a little bit easier to scale from solopreneur to, um, you know, bigger business. Always easier said than done, right? As, as I've said on previous episodes, but number one, you marketing and sales has to come first. Our benchmark is six to eight weeks of consistent work also with consistent leads, pending estimates, everything continuing on the sales front. Not just, hey, we have six, eight weeks worth of work, but we have zero pending estimates and we have no estimates scheduled and we've only had one lead in the last week. That tells me you're probably gonna blow through that six to eight weeks worth of work pretty quickly, right? Because there's always a lag in the sales. So if you are at six to eight weeks pretty consistently, a couple months in a row, not like in the peak crazy, you know, exterior painting season or anything, and you've got some leads coming in and pending estimates, then I feel comfortable saying, let's go hire somebody, right? Because when you hire somebody, going from you to you and one person just doubled your production capacity. Now, again, if they're not experienced or not as experienced as you, they might not be quite as quick, but let's just say at that point, if you have eight weeks worth of work, that eight weeks becomes, instead of let's say four weeks, let's say five weeks, right? That now you're only five weeks out with you and one person, okay? That still gives you enough time. Again, when you have pending estimates, estimates scheduled, things are moving, that still gives you enough time to go sell work on the back end of that, right? And then again, the benchmark, consistent six to eight weeks <laughs> with consistent lead flow at you and that one person, right? Because then you're gonna add that second person and now that eight weeks becomes, let's say six weeks, right? And then make sure it's consistent, right? And at two people, you can start getting off the job a little bit more probably, right? You can start kind of treating it like a business if that's what your goal is, or you can stay there side by side with them still, 
whatever you want. But usually at two people is when you can afford to get off the job site and they're making enough money if things are going well and up to the standards and stuff that they can start making money while you go do business things during the day and shrink your time down to 40 hours, All right. So that's kind of the path. Number one, marketing and sales first, six to eight weeks is the benchmark before you hire another person. Again, subcrew, a little bit different, right? Um, you know, it's a little bit different setup on, on the operation side, uh, but kind of same concept. I wanna make sure there's the consistency there. Second piece, you have to have a disciplined schedule. All right, if you wanna grow this, you have to be disciplined. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it's a good idea to set your schedule up to where you work about 30 hours a week production, 10 to 15 hours a week, estimates, business, other stuff, right? And so I don't care, like we have some clients that say, hey, I work Monday through Thursday in production, Fridays are my business days, right? I'll work four tens if I need to Monday through Thursday. Friday are my estimate days, catch up on paperwork, all the stuff I need to do as a business owner happens on Fridays. Fantastic. We have some people that say, hey, you know, Monday, <laughs> you know, I do estimates on Tuesday and Thursday afternoon, right? So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, full days. Tuesday, Thursday, I'm off the job site at 12, one o'clock to go do estimates in the afternoon, right? Um, whatever it looks like, right? If you go do networking events and you need to go to lunch on one day, right? You can build your schedule, uh, your production schedule around what your business needs. You just have to communicate it to your customers. If you're a solopreneur and you have to leave because you have a BNI lunch on Tuesday afternoons, like I did, I think I had two people before I started BNI um, initially, but I would just communicate them. Hey, just so you know, I'm gonna take a longer lunch on Tuesday because I have to be at a networking meeting from 11.30 to one that we do every single Tuesday, right? Because that's gonna help grow my business, okay? So build your schedule around some of those things, but find a way to be disciplined and try to stick to it as much as you can, especially if you're not willing to work evenings. Um, even before we had kids, I tried not to do estimates in the evening unless I, unless I didn't have any other option, right? If there was no possible way, Saturdays didn't work, then I'd go do an estimate at six o'clock at night. But other than that, I was done by five o'clock. Christina got home from her job between five and 5.30. I was usually home around then anyways. So I built it around that, right? So just be disciplined, stick to your days. If you're taking Fridays to do business stuff, only have Fridays to do business stuff. And it, the only way you should ever be doing production on Friday is if you can afford to spend a half a day doing production because you don't have estimates scheduled and you can catch up on your paperwork that morning, right? Whatever that looks like. The last thing. Focus on the systems you need now and focus on the rest as it comes, okay? We see a lot of solopreneurs that try to perfect all of the systems across every area of their business before they grow. And while I applaud that, and while I like the thinking behind it, while I think you have to think about some of the other systems in the meantime, I don't think you have to worry about them, okay? And let me explain. Typically, when we work with solopreneurs, uh, again, Work has to come first. So the number one thing I focus on is estimating and sales. How can we make sure we have a good estimating process, we have a good sales process, we're maximizing the leads that we have, right? And then once we get really good at that, we feel like we've got that honed in, it's it's habit, you know, always tweaking it, always keeping an eye on it. But once we have the estimating and sales system down, then it's time to ramp up marketing because it doesn't make sense to get 100 leads to come in if your estimating in your sales process is a freaking dumpster fire, right? Because you're just gonna waste a lot of time, a lot of leads, probably spend a lot of money to get those leads and you're not capitalizing on it, right? So number one thing you have to do is get estimating sales process down. Then you bring in the marketing processes, whether it's relationship marketing, organic marketing, you're going to network, you're spending money on advertising, whatever that looks like, right? You need to then worry about marketing because now you're estimating sales, it's humming great. 
oh, guess what? It's still just yourself. So why are you going to worry about having a work order for employees and production systems when it's still just you, right? It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense to think about, right? Again, you can be aware of the things you're going to need down the road, but focus right what you need now, estimating and sales and then marketing. And now once you're getting leads and you're turning over jobs and you're closing jobs and you're getting that six to eight weeks, once you're starting to think, hey, I'm going to start needing to probably hire somebody here in the next month or two if things keep up like this, right? It's not a, it's not typically you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you sold 12 jobs and you're consistently booked out and like it doesn't just change overnight. Typically it's like, okay, this is starting to pick up some momentum. I'm seeing things, we're getting referrals, we're getting repeat business. Great. That's when you start working on your recruiting systems. How do you have a structured interview process? Once you hire someone, how do you onboard and train them, right? You're gonna need to know that. But you don't need to know that until you're pretty close to hiring somebody, right? So that's the time to start working on it. And then once you get those systems in place and you start executing on those systems, then you start working on your production systems. You tidy up your SOPs, right? I don't think it's a bad thing to have your SOPs kind of documented as you're a solopreneur working through the process. That's okay. If you wanna work on that in tandem with some of the other things, that's fine. But you don't have to tidy up those SOPs until you have your first employee, right? Same thing with work orders. You don't really need the work orders until you're planning on not being on the job site. Yes, it helps. But at the end of the day, that's not an important thing, right? And so, yeah, obviously you should have thrown finances in there. That's one of the number one uh, ones because you need to have a grip on that as you're going through this whole process. But when I look at the other kind of four core areas of business, estimating and sales, you got to focus on that first, right? So focus on what you need now and what's most important to getting this plan built out and then focus on the rest as it's coming down the pipeline, right? Because I see too many people try to perfect everything and they spend six months to a year to 18 months, then just redo it because they learned something new or a new way, or they get annoyed because nothing's happening, but it's because they're not letting anything happen because they're spending all their energy perfecting things that don't matter right now. That's when the burnout happens with solopreneurship. And so I hope this helps. If you're a solopreneur, I hope this helps you. Whether you wanna stay a solopreneur, whether you want to grow it into a bigger business, um, and, and get some time back and kind of have a little bit more freedom and flexibility that entrepreneurs like. But if you like how you're doing it, and you wanna make it more of a lifestyle business, there's nothing wrong with that, do it. But just be intentional about it. Make sure you have a game plan. Make sure you understand what needs to happen to really make this work. Spend some time working on your business. Get a mentor, plan this out with them. And if you want to grow your business, again, talk to somebody, have a plan, then you can execute on the game plan after that. Um, you know we're always here to help, right? Our podcast, I probably don't promote us and what we do enough, right? Um, but it's because that's not what it's for, right? Our podcast, our goal is to add value. We want to be there to help add value and be a resource and an asset for people in the business, in the trenches every day. Yes, we work with painting contractors exclusively all over the U.S. and Canada. It's what we do, right? We, we work through these problems with people all the time. We're able to help put a game plan together, help people execute on it, work through it. We are bi-weekly or monthly with them, depending on which meeting package you go with. That's what we do, right? And again, have a lot of people like, you never talk about your business. And I'm like, in that sense. And, and it, again, that's not what we're here for, but I do want you to know if you're in this spot, you need some help, come talk to us. We'd love to help you. We can set up a free business analysis meeting like we do with everybody, 30, 45 minutes, hop on Zoom, no strings attached. It's not a sales pitch. I wanna get to know you. I wanna get to know how we can help you. Uh, and you know, just let see if we're a good fit to work together. And if we are, fantastic. If we're not, no big deal. We'll try to leave it to a few nuggets you can take and run with your business. And if we ever are down the road, we're here for you. So I hope it helps. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and we will catch you on next week's episode. 
Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.